Warning, the following program contains critical thinking, honest opinions, viewpoints on culture that may seem conservative, and a positive view on absolute detestable things such as marriage and children. Listener discretion is advised. Alrighty guys, so for this week's episode, I want to talk about Michael Knowles calling for the eradication of transgenderism, that little rant that Matt Walsh went on where he kind of verbally attacked Dylan Mulvaney, and also the fact that I've recently discovered some people on the left take major issue with Michael Knowles' mouth, of all things, uh, to each their own whatever. But with CPAC happening this month and also a lot of state legislatures kind of covering some more hot topic legislation, I was having a bit of a difficult time settling on a topic for this week's episode. But don't worry, I did it. Because I am a strong, independent woman, all right? And it's Women's History Month. Women's History Month. Whatever, who cares? I did briefly consider initiating ho phase because I haven't had one of those yet. I mean, I didn't really plan on it like ever, but I keep being told by feminism uh, and the powers that be that a ho phase is just really empowering. So I don't know. I was thinking about trying it, but luckily I do have a few remaining brain cells left up, up here, you know, so um, I won't do that. Don't worry. Anyways, let's get on to it, okay? Uh, let's talk about Matt Walsh. I would assume at this point most conservatives at least have heard of The Daily Wire. It's co-founded by Ben Shapiro uh, with voices like Michael Knowles, Candace Owens, Matt Walsh, etc. But if you haven't heard of them, just, you know, do a quick Google search. It, it won't take too terribly much to find uh, that they have a very large audience and they kind of take up a big chunk of the conservative media sphere, even so much that Steven Crowder in his recent situation, if you will, um, deemed the Daily Wire big con instead of big tech, you know, big conservative. But recently, Matt Walsh made some statements on his show directed towards Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, if that name does not ring a bell for you, doesn't sound familiar, we are talking about the day 329 of girlhood guy, or, you know, the normalize the bulge dude. Um, or, you know, you could just, you know, Google search the, the new face of Ulta Beauty, you know, the big makeup company that a lot of girls buy their makeup at, uh, Anyways, this guy pretty much decided that he was transgender, started documenting his transition to girlhood uh, because it's like, you know, he's not a woman yet. He's becoming a woman. So it's his girlhood. Anyways, he secured an insane following online and also recently did a live show to celebrate day 365 of being a girl. Yeah. Now, I'd say at this point, most conservatives and right-leaning commentators have talked about Dylan. Matt Walsh definitely has done so, especially over the last year. Uh, Walsh has spent a lot of time really immersing himself in this fight against transgender ideology, which is good. I appreciate the fact that he's actually getting involved um, since he moved to Tennessee. He's been up at the Capitol this legislative session. He's uh, testified in committee meetings on bills against, you know, 
transing the kids pretty much. So, you know, I think that's cool that he's using his name to actually do something. However, he recently made some comments towards Dylan on his show that resulted in a little bit of controversy, you know, a little bit of buzz. And so uh, let's go ahead and listen to that real quick. Dylan, if that is the most attractive you will ever look, then I don't even want to imagine what you'll look like when you're at your ugliest. You do not pass as, a, as an attractive woman or as a woman at all. Uh, even with 50 pounds of makeup and plastic surgery and clever lighting tricks, even then you still cannot escape what you really are and what you will always be. You have successfully shed whatever parts of you were masculine, perhaps, at least on the surface. Nobody would ever describe you as masculine or manly, so you've got that going. But your femininity quotient has not increased at a rate commensurate with the loss of your masculinity. Um, you may not be masculine, but you also aren't feminine. Instead, you are you are weird and artificial. You are manufactured and lifeless. You are unearthly and eerie. You are like some kind of human deep fake. That's what you are. You are a man deprived of all the best qualities of men, but without any of the best qualities of women. Even your personality is contrived. Everything about you is fake. Nothing about you rings true. Nobody buys the act. You'll never be accepted as a woman by anyone, never by anyone. Even the people who pretend to accept you as a woman are only pretending because they're afraid of being lectured if they don't or because they want to use you as a platform to virtue signal. But everyone who looks at you will see something pitiable and bizarre, something utterly unfeminine in every way. You will never be able to actually have the identity that you're trying to appropriate, nor will you ever be able to fully escape the identity that you're fleeing. The best you can hope for is some kind of limbo, the worst of all worlds. And yet, even in that limbo state, you will still be a man. Just not one that any of us can respect or take seriously. Uh, so yeah, a little much, uh, a little harsh personally in my own opinion, but I also don't want to just join the dog pile of like conservatives and Republicans that like jumped on Walsh immediately after this, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you would be mean because, you know, honestly, I don't personally prefer to use inflammatory language. However, I think we all know people in our lives that do in normal conversation. Like it could be the like least controversial thing ever. And the way that they word things is just intense. And I think Matt Walsh is kind of one of those people. Um, sometimes I think it boils down to like personality and people's tone and their sense of humor and stuff like there's always nuance to the way that people conduct themselves the way that people talk I think part of people's frustration with Matt Walsh probably has a bit to do with his tone probably has a bit to do with his sense of humor at least his online persona is very blunt it's very dry. I don't know what he's like in person. I've never met the guy. Maybe I will at some point. That would be cool. However, there's a lot of things that I would probably disagree with him on. But I guess my thing here is, given the thousand something episodes he's put out alongside The Daily Wire, along with his documentary and uh, all the other stuff he did before he signed a contract with them, I mean... My question immediately when I was done, like, watching his whole spiel, I was like, wait, this is what people are talking about? I was like, why is anybody surprised? <laughs> because 
like just, just why are you surprised like the to the people who don't watch matt walsh to the people who aren't conservative or republican or whatever i'm like isn't this what you kind of classify all conservatives to act like anyways like why are you surprised why are you like oh my god um and then to the conservative republicans to the people who would be on matt's side to the people who do watch matt walsh on a regular basis my question is why are you surprised dude is literally like the most blunt person <laughs> and like he's got super dry humor his tone is very matter of fact i don't understand why you're surprised that he said the things that he said and honestly my question is kind of like say brett cooper okay I mean, just to bring up another Daily Wire person, okay, if Brett Cooper had said the exact same things that Matt Walsh said, okay, would you as a conservative Republican be as upset by it? Or is it just because he's this rough, gruff, middle-aged man? Because my dad's a rough, gruff, middle-aged man, and sometimes the things that come out of his mouth sound pretty harsh compared to, like, if I said the same thing. So, I don't know. That's kind of my question here, is like, what role does tone and personality and just all of that play in how people are reacting to this clip of Walsh talking to Dylan Mulvaney? I do think it's harsh. I would never say what he said because that's not the way that I think about other people. But I don't know. I just think it's worth thinking about. Now, I mentioned at the start of this episode that Matt Walsh's comments led a Daily Wire employee to quit. Uh, I don't think it was just his whole thing. I think it was that and Michael Knowles' CPAC speech, which we'll get into in a bit. But this woman uh, was a Daily Wire journalist, and she was supposedly brought on less than a year ago to cover the issues that Matt Walsh has kind of been focusing on mainly uh, with transgender and protecting children from, you know, those surgeries, etc. So she was brought on to specifically cover some of that stuff. And uh, when she quit, she cited Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles' rhetoric uh, regarding the issue as her reason for quitting because it was too inflammatory and whatever. This woman, this journalist, okay, Christina Buttons, she pretty much left Daily Wire and did a whole blog post expose type thing, right? And she said these few things that I took out excerpts of. She said, as a journalist, I have to believe there are reachable centrists, including moderate liberals, who are uncomfortable with gender ideology, but who have been insulated from serious coverage of this medical scandal. Winning over hearts and minds is difficult enough without inflammatory statements such as transgenderism must be eradicated from public life. There is a critical distinction between speaking truth and being tactless, between sticking to the facts and sticking it to the lid. And she ended up going on to pretty much be like, I don't know why, but they seem to like the people at the Daily Wire seem to care more about clicks and views uh, than actually the caring about people and, you know, covering these issues properly and whatever. Walsh's response to this woman and his response to the criticism that his language is inflammatory uh, was pretty much just like, sometimes you have to be mean. <laughs> I believe it's not only morally justified, but also a good strategy to be blunt 
and more aggressive. I don't need to belabor the point any more than I already have. If you think that it's possible to win a cultural battle and bring about a massive social change while also being exclusively polite and mild-tempered and focused on compromise, then you have never studied history. Every social movement needs its frontline combatants, its, uh, its uh, street fighters, you know, its people who are willing to get their hands dirty. If you think that I'm a confrontational jerk, maybe you're right. But the confrontational jerk community, okay, serves an important purpose. You need us, whether you like it or not. Not everyone needs to adopt our approach or should adopt it. I embrace a, a diversity of tactics. So the problem isn't that these gentler and more squeamish people aren't adopting our approach, is that they think everyone should adopt their approach. If you notice, uh, on the left, they don't have this conversation. Have you noticed that? They never have this conversation. So on the right, we're constantly stuck in every day. It has, it's, it's another version of the same debate. Are we being too mean? Are we being too mean to them? Is, it, is this too mean? Have you noticed that on the left, they have never once had that debate amongst themselves. They never talk about that. If they can all agree that they're right about something, then they will never, ever even consider the possibility that they're being too mean. Why? Well, because they're smarter than a lot of the people that are supposedly on our side. I get this. Okay, I, I get what he's saying. I do. However, I think that you have to ask yourself what exactly you're willing to compromise on morals and values wise in order to win in that way. I think that we should be speaking out on these issues. I think that we should not be pushovers like the Republican Party has been for so long and continues to be on certain things. But I also don't have any interest in muddying the waters of my own intent. If my intent going against the transgender ideology and the transgender movement is one of care, one of wanting to protect children, one of wanting to protect those who are adults who may not be mentally well and make sure that we're not allowing people to be taken advantage of by the pharmaceutical companies and Western medicine over and over again at their detriment. The last thing I want is for someone to hear something that I'm saying and hear malice. I mean, that doesn't mean that they won't because people have their own perceptions of things and I can't control how people perceive what I say or what I do, but I can control the intent behind my words, the intent behind my actions. And I feel like once you start kind of venturing into like very clearly like mean direct attack territory, um, the intent does get kind of blurred for yourself. But that's just, I don't know, that's just what I'm thinking. The last thing I want is for someone to hear something that I say and actually like be in tears over something I said because what I said was actually hurtful. I just have like no interest in attacking a specific individual for a problem I have with a movement. I guess, especially when I don't know the person. I have my doubts about Dylan Mulvaney's intentions. I I do. I'm not going to lie. I don't think he's just some confused individual, but that's my own, you know, 
theory, I guess. That's my own assumption about what's going on. But the reality is, is that I don't know Dylan Mulvaney. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, whether this whole girlhood thing is motivated by true confusion, I don't know. Whether it's motivated by brand deals and money and fame, I don't know. Whether he's being controlled by someone else in his life or manipulated by someone else in his life, I don't know. But my point is, like, even though I have my issues with Dylan, I don't know. I think his influence impacts a lot of young people in a negative way. Um, I don't agree with what he's doing. <laughs> but on the off chance that he genuinely is going through this mental, spiritual, emotional battle of sorts, um, I don't want to be the reason that he cries himself to sleep at night. I don't want to be the person bullying him. I don't want to be the reason that he just completely shuts down any possible chance of him having an open heart to Christianity, an open heart to God, an open mind to the Bible. Like, I don't want him to hear something come out of my mouth or another Christian's mouth and be like, hurt to the point where he's never open to that and then he just continues living the way he's living and it's harmful to him if he's genuinely confused. I hope you get what I'm saying, but yeah. Matt Walsh, on the other hand, seems to be of the opinion that you do have to be mean to win sometimes. And maybe that's true, but I think that that's something that you kind of have to work out within your own conscience, within your own relationship with God. Are you willing to sacrifice kindness for being abrasive enough to win? He also mentions righteous anger in his response to this whole situation. Um, in the sense that because the left often believes that they are right, then that justifies the way that they approach certain issues. They, they're mean or they're abrasive or they do use inflammatory language or they do like kind of <laughs> chastise people and hurt people along the way. But it's because they believe they are right. They believe it's justified. It's righteous anger. And so he was pretty much saying, well, if we are right, righteous anger is okay. And I agree. <laughs> righteous anger is righteous anger. It has its place. It has its time. But if you're righteously angry about something as you should be with this transgender stuff because it is harming people emotionally, spiritually, physically. It is hurting them. Um, I feel like to be righteously angry about something, you don't necessarily have to be mean to people about their physical appearance or their personality or the decisions they've made in life, I think you it's not necessary to be righteously angry about something. I think you can still go about something in a different way. And for the record, when it comes to caring about people, I think that is kind of the line you straddle when um, you have Christians who identify with the left side of politics, who identify as a liberal or a leftist or whatever, it's because they care about people. I hope that's why they side with the left on things. Um, they take caring about people a little too far. They take caring about people's feelings a little too far to the point where they um, 
you know, discount what they're supposed to value, what they're supposed to believe, what, you know, God says is best for us, what the Bible advises is best for us. But as a Christian, you do have to care about people. You do. It just doesn't mean that you need to encourage or endorse the behavior or the lifestyle that they are living, but you should care. Enough about that, though. Let's talk about my favorite Daily Wire host, okay? Michael Knowles. I started listening and watching to him, I think, summer of 2020 um, during COVID, and he provided me with such a sense of sanity and does continue in some sense to do that. But I just remember I started watching some of his videos and I was like, wait, somebody is thinking like me, like somebody kind of important-ish is thinking like me. So I'm not crazy because, you know, outside of my family and a few friends, like it was just hard to find people that were seeing what I was seeing. And it felt very isolating. It felt very like lonely. And I was just so relieved that this person was putting out there on the Internet what I was struggling to comprehend in my own life. And I think, don't get me wrong. A lot of people have become more aware of things. A lot of people have become more outspoken about things. But during the beginning of COVID, I felt very alone because I was not hearing anybody really saying what I was saying outside of a few people. And I was getting more backlash on what I was thinking than I was getting confirmation. And so I genuinely was like, am I crazy? But Michael Knowles what a guy. Okay. Um, Ben Shapiro is a little too libertarian on certain issues for my taste. Um, that is who I was kind of watching a little bit before I found Michael Knowles. And then I was very thankful that I found Michael Knowles because, um, then Ben Shapiro went on this whole thing where he was like in favor of the COVID vaccine. And I was like, not feeling it, man, not feeling it. But Knowles is Catholic. Um, however, I still stand by my statement that I've said to many people at this point. I have never had any interest in participating in a mosh pit. I've never been to a metal concert or like one of those crazy concerts where mosh pits happen. But if Michael Knowles was standing on a stage playing the ukulele, I would join a mosh pit just for him. It would be great. It would be worth it. But I'll stop gushing over the guy for a second and get into this whole situation that went down with his CPAC speech. I actually wanted to go this year. Um, it's the Conservative Political Action Conference. It happens every year. Sometimes it's in Florida. Sometimes it's in Texas. This year it was in Washington, D.C. So that's a, a bit of a ways away from me and also extremely expensive to go there and stay there and drive there. So, um, you know... I didn't go. I did, however, put out a little bit of word. I was like, hey, you know, if anybody has like, you know, a dad that wants to pay for me to like go to CPAC, I would be forever grateful. Um, luckily for my self-respect, nobody came through on that ask. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's so fine. I'll just go next year. Anyways, Michael Knowles spoke at CPAC this year, right? And a specific clip of his speech 
uh, went a little viral, got a lot of people pretty heated. So uh, let's take a look at it. There can be no middle way in dealing with transgenderism. It is all or nothing. If transgenderism is true, if men really can become women, then it's true for everybody of all ages. If transgenderism is false, as it is, if men really can't become women, as they cannot, then it's false for everybody, too. And if it's false, then we should not indulge it, especially since that indulgence requires taking away the rights and customs of so many people. If it is false, then for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous ideology at every level. Oh boy, oh boy, I wonder what was controversial about those statements. Anyways, after his CPAC speech um, and a few probably tweets from people getting upset about it, several publications also jumped on the story. Uh, the one I've seen talked about the most being a Rolling Stone article, but there was ones on BuzzFeed and the Daily Beast and all sorts of places. Now, the Rolling Stone article, a little bit of a situation here, okay? They first put the article out with the headline, CPAC speaker calls for transgender people to be eradicated. And then it follows with a quote from Knowles saying, For the good of society, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. Far-right conservative Michael Knowles said, drawing raucous applause. I guess that's how you say the word interesting choice of words. I guess they're uh, fancy over there at Rolling Stone. But Michael Knowles then tweeted <laughs> at Rolling Stone saying, this headline is libelous and I demand a retraction. And so their version of a retraction, okay, was just to change the headline to CPAC speaker calls for eradication of transgenderism and somehow claims he's not calling for elimination of transgender people. <laughs> and then it follows it up with, there is no separating a ban on transgenderism from an attack on transgender people, says activist Aaron Reed. They are one and the same and there's no separation between them. Now, outside of just articles from completely unbiased news sources, uh, Knowles' speech was also met with an influx of YouTube videos by conservatives and liberals alike, giving their opinions on the situation. Now, my feed is largely taken up by C-SPAN and political commentary videos, but I am subscribed to plenty of not-so-educational channels, uh, a few of which actually decided to give their stance on a political issue as well, which was interesting. Um, <laughs> Nick is Not Green is a channel that I watch for uh, entertainment purposes, and he posted a video on one of his secondary channels, Green is Not Nick, titled, Michael Knowles is a Transphobic Loser. Okay, so today we're talking about Michael Knowles. He is a host of uh, The Daily Wire, and I'll get it out of the way. He's got a massive mouth. Okay, I don't mean to body shame. I'm not even saying it in a bad, I'm saying it in a bad way for sure. I know like it's going to be on everybody's mind. So take a look at it. I know it's disgusting. I know it's just 
revolting to look at. I find it interesting how quick people go to looks when they disagree with someone. Um, a lot of the videos that I watched that were covering this whole situation from a liberal perspective really had an issue with either Knowles wearing a suit, um, or they thought his mouth was creepy, or they thought the picture that Rolling Stone used was just a terrible picture. It was horrifying. Ah, oh, get it away. Um, whatever they had to say. Yeah. Uh, Nick wasn't the only one that put a lot of focus on looks while covering this story is what I'm trying to say. Personally, the criticism that I have here, okay, is I think Knowles could have chosen a better tie. Okay, I'm not I'm not really into the whole tie thing. I would never wear one, but then again, I am a woman. Um, I mean, I know there was like that whole like phase in the 2000s and like Gossip Girl where it was like preppy to like wear a tie and it was like cute for girls to wear a tie. Uh, what didn't uh, Jane and like Tarzan wear a tie? I don't know. So I guess it was a style. I'm sure people do it. I just don't like that. Uh, anyways, I think he could have chosen a better tie. Maybe one with like sizzling bacon on it or like cans of Dr. Pepper or I've seen ones with like cucumbers wearing sunglasses that would have been a good choice for the CPAC conference like I I just I'm not feeling the whole like yellow he's got going on there I think he could have chosen a better tie but in the few days leading up to me actually sitting down to record this podcast YouTube's wonderful algorithm actually suggested a video to me um, from a trans youtuber who I had never seen their channel before cat uh, black I think is how you pronounce their name I'm not entirely sure on the last part but the video is titled conservatives want to arrest eradicate me. So I clicked on it because why wouldn't I? Um, well, I didn't necessarily gain any new information or really any new perspective from watching the video. Kat did say something that I think plays into the way I feel about Matt Walsh's comments, actually. And here's the part that I think a lot of people struggle with. I exist. I am a real person engaging in the real world, in society, along with you. So I just want to acknowledge the fact that this is exactly what I have had to remind people of over the last few years with the masks and the vaccines and the things that were said and continue to be said about people who think like me on these issues and other issues. Um, this has been the same thing I feel like I've been crying out to the people in my life who will post things online and not think about the fact that like, hey, over here, person in your life who you're actually, you know, being mean to. So I, I just thought it was interesting. I was like, oh, I was like, I mean, it makes sense that this person would feel that way. Um, but I just think it's interesting. I'm like, would you think that it's okay for me to feel that way? Or am I not allowed to feel that way? I'm just wondering. But I, I was just kind of watching it and I was like, hey, this is what I've been saying. So that was an interesting little quinky dink there. Getting back to the issue at hand here, though, there seemed to be like a general lack of comprehension across the articles I read and the videos I watched. People didn't really seem to grasp 
the difference that Michael Knowles was putting in between transgenderism and transgender people. And even the ones that I saw where they were like, okay, yeah, he is differentiating between the two. He's not saying this. Um, Even then, they still were like, there's no difference. Like, you're literally still saying eradicate transgender people. For Michael Knowles, there's a big difference between saying that transgenderism should be eradicated and that transgender people should be eradicated, which is a really confusing riddle to figure out in your head because being a transgender person is locked in with your identity. That is just who you are. He's of the belief that transgenderism which is an ism because in his view, it's an ideology. And transgender people, completely separate entities. Calling for the eradication of transgenderism is indeed calling for the eradication of transgender people. I think we all say things that are unclear on a regular basis. And I also think that we typically give context for what we're saying based on who we are speaking to. If I'm gonna tell my parents a story about something that my younger sister said to me, I don't have to explain to my parents what my sister's name is, how old she is, uh, what environment, you know, she grew up in. I don't have to give any of that context for my parents to know exactly what I'm saying. But if I was speaking to somebody that I just met and it's a funny anecdote I'm bringing up, then I probably will have to give a little bit more context to that person than I would give to my parents. Hopefully that makes sense. I'm sure I could have come up with a much better example, but I'm sure you get the point. In Knowles' speech, he's speaking to conservatives, okay? He's at CPAC. He's not speaking to people on the left. He's speaking to conservatives. He's talking to those who fall under the Republican Party in most cases, to those outside of the conservative movement, this might not be clear because they don't have the context of being a part of the Republican Party or the conservative movement. But what I hear in this speech is Knowles calling out the contradictory attitude that tends to befall people on the right. The attitude of, it's not okay for minors. This transgenderism is the worst thing in the world and we have to protect children. But then the second that somebody turns 18, it's totally fine as if they weren't a child or a minor the day before. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. Like if, if you believe that it's wrong to mutilate kids or to indulge kids in this stuff why do you think it's okay the day that they become an adult they were a child the day before what changed um just another arbitrary age milestone tacked onto their belt i mean come on like adults still need to be cared for and still need to be looked out for and still need people to kind of redirect them sometimes it's just life i think it makes sense that people on the left um wouldn't see these statements in the context that Michael Knowles probably intended them to be in because they don't have that context. And, you know, even if it's explained to them, they would probably still not like what was said. But 
whatever. Some people might not see much of a difference between the comments that Matt Walsh made and the comments that Michael Knowles made in his speech. Some people might put them on the same level. To me, there is a difference between the two. Uh, besides the differences in personality and tone and mannerisms, there's also just a bit of a difference in the subject matter. I mean, Walsh's comments were directed towards a specific individual, and they did venture into physical appearance and not just ideology or lifestyle. Whether or not you agree with that is up to you, but Michael Knowles's comments in his CPAC speech, I feel like they were directed at an ideology. They were directed at a movement. Not even just at transgender individuals, to be honest. Um, but instead, it's just people in general who are pushing the transgender ideology forward in many aspects of American life. And, you know, since I don't care to really use inflammatory language, I probably wouldn't have made any of the comments that either of these guys made. But I do think that we need to pick and choose our battles and recognize when people are on the same side as you. If you do, by chance, want to listen to a more nuanced conversation on some of this stuff, I did enjoy listening to uh, the coverage that Hill TV did on the situation. I mean, it's nothing crazy, nothing like super deep or anything, but it was a, a decent conversation that attempted to understand what Knowles was trying to say, even if they don't agree with it. It was just a less aggressive conversation for sure. Anyways, that's all I've got for now. I would love to hear what you think about Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles's statements regarding Dylan Mulvaney and transgenderism as a whole. Did they go too far? And if so, what would you have done differently? As always, thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode of Subtle Rampage, and I'll be back next week. 